from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. Welcome, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show podcast. It is terrific to have you here with us today, whether you are tuning in from the United Kingdom and all its constituent parts, or whether you're tuning in from Bakersfield, California, or Baton Rouge, the Red Stick. It's great to have you here in house. I am joined by KC over there in the booth and Rob the Rocket. What is new and groovy, Rob the Rocket? Well, you know, always, always great to be here and uh, it always feels new and it's always a pleasure to be here on the soul counseling train. So chug, <laughs> go. All right, a little soul train for the soul. All right. So we've got Maddie today, Rob. Tell me about Maddie. Yes, we do. Interesting story. And she's very polite, which I know <coughs> makes an impression on you, Sven. So you'll appreciate this. She says, hi, Mr. Erlinson. I'm having issues with moving past my father's religious abuse. First off, he's a shit person. He pounded in our heads the way of the Bible, but went off the rails when he and my mother divorced. Typical Christian home and values, very strict, and it developed into enmeshed relationships. Before the divorce, he moved out, started dating, moved in with a woman, and lied to me about it for months. I've been standing strong in my faith, and he's been telling me I'm a bad Christian. He also has his side of the family browbeating me because I have a problem with his adultery. They're saying, he's your father. If you want a good marriage and have respectful children, you'll keep your dad in your life. These things that he made sure we knew were wrong growing up. He gets to do them himself, and we have to accept him. I stood up for me and my beliefs, but why do I still feel horrible? He's done a lot more, but this is a big one for me. Thank you for your time. Maddie, great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure is completely ours. So let me ask you, you said, I'm having issues with moving past my father's religious abuse. And so I want to just ask a couple things about that sentence. As you see it, in one sentence or less, what is the most abusive thing that your father has done in this religious abuse? He's supposed to teach us or be the example of our heavenly father, but him as our earthly father is doing the complete opposite of what he was supposed to teach us. And and by complete opposite, you mean what specifically? Smaller things, you know, he said, don't move in with a, with a guy, don't have sex before marriage, don't, you know, these big things. And, you know, he just displayed the opposite behavior towards my mother, his wife, and on on a regular basis and came to us, you know, for all of these problems that he was having with, you know, my mom. And it just didn't display a godly father teaching his children how to do as good as or better than him. Okay. So you have identified that what he is doing is the opposite, basically, of what he's supposed to be doing. You, there's, you didn't mm -hmm. state it as he might be doing the opposite. You say it as fact. This is the opposite. This oh, is wrong. For, this, for sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you even say he's a shit person. Okay. So then uh, help me understand, <clears throat> you say you're having issues moving past the abuse. So you've identified, it's clearly abuse, you've identified he is not what you believe through God the Father in heaven to be. He's doing the opposite. Mm -hmm. He's treating you like shit and your family around you is treating you like shit, you know, and sort of covering for him. So then what's mm -hmm. the hard part in moving past? What is the sticking point for you? What is it you're wanting that you're not getting or, or what's going on here that makes it so hard? If the abuse is that obvious and he's doing shit and this isn't what God wants, what's the hard part in moving past it? I've been binge watching your podcasts or listening to them and I've heard you say that you don't have to forgive the person, which I very, very respectfully disagree because it's, what I was taught is that it's for me, not for that person. Right. And you can, you're more than welcome to disagree, but like the repentance is their problem. We have to give them that opportunity for us to forgive. It's their job to fix it. He hasn't done that. Um, I don't expect him to because I've given him chance after chance and he's taught me 
that forgiveness means you wipe the slate clean. He'll change for about not not even two weeks, and then he'll he'll just revert back to what he did. And it's just like I we had this fight already, and I don't understand why you're still. I feel hurt. And so what what is it that causes you to not be able to move forward? You said I'm having trouble moving past it. Is it yes. because you're still want, wanting something from him? Or let me just ask the question: What do you still want from him? What's keeping you stuck in this relationship with someone who treats you like shit and isn't an example and is obviously a hypocrite and you state it yourself. Mm -hmm. So what is keeping you stuck? What do you still want from your dad? I don't think it's something I want from him. It's I'm trying to understand the correct path of forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of spiritual leaders in my life. I don't, he's kind of, hardened me from going to church in my personal opinion and it sucks but that's how it is mm -hmm. uh i don't do i i want roots haven't done well with them because we move so many times so i don't have that capacity to <laughs> establish i'm trying to figure out what forgiveness actually feels like what that peace is great i don't know how to get there i don't think it has anything to do with him mm -hmm. like i don't want anything from him mm -hmm. i've I cut him off in 2021. Fair. So then let me ask you, if you don't and, want anything from him, which is fair and I believe you, what is it you most fear if you were to actually walk away or distance yourself from him? I mean, if he's this source of hurt and pain in your life, you said you've cu you cut him off in 2021. So what is it you most fear happening? Uh, he emphasized a huge value on family, but specifically his family. He didn't give a crap about my mom's family, doesn't give a crap about his kids, mm -hmm. but his family, we have to drop everything for him. Okay. And that's been conditioned in my brain. So everyone's like condemning me in a sense, but they say I'm condemning him. It's like, no, I'm not condemning him. I'm calling him out on his shit, which I'm sure you know, and I'm going to get a little biblical here. Paul in Corinthians writes to people, writes to the Corinthians about, it's not our jo job to judge people outside of the church. It is our job to call out stupid behavior in the church. Not condemnation. It's just saying, hey, get get it get it right with God. Mm -hmm. And that's essential. I'm not condemning him. I'm just saying what he's doing is awful. But you guys are telling me I need to love him. So I him. asked you what the fear is. And so the fear is what then? Is Everyone the fear hates me. Right. There it is. That if I do, and clearly you wouldn't be doing this, you wouldn't be calling your father out on his shit, and you unless you believed his shit is wrong, okay? Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is there's a price for doing that, and the price is everyone hates me. And these people that are my family, they are condemning me, and it hurts. And so mm -hmm. where I feel stuck, if I and you correct me on all of this, if I'm off the mark, okay, I don't, I don't mind mm -hmm. being wrong. What I hear you saying is where you're stuck is that if I call that out because I know it's hypocrisy and if I distance myself from him, I get condemned by my family. But if I don't call him out, then it doesn't feel right because he's saying all this shit and I need to wipe it away. But it's bullshit because it's all the opposite of what he said. And oh, family bullshit. It's about your family and all the stuff he taught us about relationships and don't move in with the guy. He's doing all this shit. It's just bullshit. And when I mm -hmm. so either I don't call it out and then I feel like crap inside and I'm just buying into the bullshit of the family that is obvious bullshit, mm -hmm. or if I don't buy into it, then I lose the family. There's the price. Let me ask you a question, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, Maddie. Approximately, mm -hmm. uh, what decade of your life are you in? How old are you? I'm I'm 28 years old. 28 years old, fair. Okay, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so you are stuck with a very hard decision. And so let me ask you this, which is more painful for you, living with this hypocrisy and seeing it and just having to fucking swallow dad's bullshit or being condemned by your family when you do call out dad's bullshit or when you do distance yourself from dad, which is more painful for you? I'd probably say swallowing my dad's bullshit. Why is that more painful? Because I have to do what I've always done growing up is sit there, be silent, look perfect because he's the perfect father. It's all about image with this whole family. So I have to look and act like everything's okay. 
-hmm. When in actuality, when we get home, he throws me into a two and a half hour fight at 11 p.m. And I have, you know, workers had school at, you know, 530 in the morning. I, I can't do that. And so it's all about keeping up appearances and that it's even persisting to age 28 that you're expected to keep up appearances and, and be on his agenda and quiet your little mouth, young lady, and mm-hmm. quit making waves because it makes him look bad. And then people might think he's not a great father and, and so on and so forth. Am I in the ballpark? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, uh, and if you don't, you'll eat shit from him. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to go back to what you were talking about with regard to forgiveness. Forgiveness is, you as a Christian certainly believe in free will, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. that means forgiveness is, in fact, a choice. You can choose yeah. to forgive or not forgive. And, uh, you know, Jesus makes it very clear, forgive 70 times seven, or in the other gospel, forgive 77 times, depends on which one you're reading. And you talk mm-hmm. about forgiveness, and you say that forgiveness is for me, not the other person. You said that. Um, mm-hmm. And so forgiveness is for you. So forgiveness then fundamentally is a selfish act, right? Wow. Okay. I'm not opposed to forgiveness. I'm really not. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of it. Huge mm-hmm. fan of it. My only point, and, and you've already acknowledged it's optional because we all have free will, so you don't have to do it. It's a mm-hmm. choice, right? And I'm not yeah. opposed to it. I simply, as I talk about in my book and and um, clearly, I, I must not have been clear on, uh, you said you were binge watching and, and listening to some of my stuff. I must have been unclear in the past and misspoken, and I apologize for that. I just That's think okay. the mistake- I started at the beginning, so- Oh, good. I, I'm not- God bless yeah. you. That's great. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Um, clearly, you have very poor judgment. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Listening to my crap. I mean, I, you know, you have really idle hands, you know, and, and I'm teasing, but- what we do is we forgive too soon. We And especially if that's been stuck in us by religion or by some external voice saying, you got to forgive, you got to forgive, and you especially got to forgive me. <laughs> no, there's no mm-hmm. self-interest there. Right, right. No, I mm-hmm. have to forgive because you fucking say so. Of course you want me to. So that you can wipe yeah. away so that I won't look at all the shit you're doing when it goes totally contrary to all the bullshit you were selling 20 years ago. Okay, but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Forgiving too soon if, if, as you say, forgiveness is for me, okay, if that's true, and I would offer forgiveness is for me and it's for the other person, it's, it's an opportunity to mend a relationship, if that's mm-hmm. what you want, right? Because again, it's free will. Um, I don't wanna. <laughs> well, that not that interesting? I don't wanna. I don't, I feel horrible saying it, but I don't, it's gotten to a point, I don't want him around my children when I have them. You don't want to mend that, the relationship. That just opens up. There's so much. It's not just the adultery. That kind of sealed the deal. But I, there's so much other things that I don't want. And what's the biggest thing? To the conclusion. What's the biggest thing in the so many other things? What's the biggest thing? There's this one particular moment because you've asked a few people in your podcast, what was the main, what was the first moment that you realized that your parents were in a sense, and you've this, you've said this broadly, not in your ball and not in your, on your side, not, you know, and this is a whopper. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And that's kind of one of the reasons like, why can't I forgive that? Like, why can't I get past this? I've noticed growing up from a young age that he was mistreating my mom. They were having fights and I tried to, I'm the oldest out of three kids. So I tried to help her and I don't blame her for that at all. I, I'm happy to help my mother. But at 13, I was in 4-H and I had a goat as a project. And um, me being a very, I love animals. So when I had to sell my first goat, I cried. And the person that bought it felt bad. Let me keep my goat. Let me keep the money. It was a very nice thing for him Aww. to do. It was it was great. That's yeah. beautiful. Um. It really was. And it made a huge impact on me. Not, I, I'm trying to remember how long it took, but I don't think it was quite a, a week. It wasn't quite two weeks. He, my dad had goats as well, and he was selling one of them. And he gave away mine 
And I didn't see it until I walked up the hill. My goat was on the trailer being carted off. And it was the, like, the Disney movie villain origin story where I'm crying, hollering, chasing this goat down the road. And I came back to him and said, why did you do that? And he said, well, I gave him away because he ate too much. He didn't pay for the hay. He didn't pay for the grain. And he took, I didn't see a dime of that money that I made. I had full intention of paying whoever bought the grain back, but he did not, he gave it away. And and just for clarification's sake, you say he gave it away. How do you know he gave it away and didn't sell it? Because my mom told me. Uh, he gave it away as a bonus to entice the guy to buy his crossbreed. Okay. And he, he gave it away for And free. this was set up, this story, which is just fucking heinous, um, absolute yeah. douchery. You told this story within the context of saying, when you squeaked out, we were talking about forgiveness, and you squeaked out, uh, you know, and I said, forgiveness is not just for you, it's for the other person, it's potentially for mending the relationship, and it just squeaked out of you, I don't want to mend it. I don't want to mend the relationship. I don't want to. And then you said, mm-hmm. you know, and then you sort of mentioned, why can't I forgive or get past this? And then you talked about, then you go into this story at 13. So if mm-hmm. I'm hearing you correctly, it's not just the religious stuff. It's there's shit in your past. And that's just one story. That's right? just one. And that's, a, granted, yeah. it's, a, it's a whopper. Uh, mm-hmm. And so there's so much pain in your past uh, at the hands of your father that you don't want to mend the relationship. Am I hearing you correctly? Yes, sir. Right. First of all, that's fucked up. He turned a prophet. And for all you know, he either A, and your mom may be in on the lie, he may have sold your goat as well, or he, bottom line is, he, almost worse in some ways, gave it away to goose his sale to make more money, you know, as an incentive. So your father took money that was yours that the very nice gentleman gave to you when he let you keep the goat. And he used your goat to make more money for himself, himself even though he wasn't paying for the grain, uh, the feed or the care of that particular goat. You were, and having grown up on right. farms and around farms, I know how seriously young people take their animals and they are very deliberate in the care and raising of their animals. So I totally get that. And so what is the underlying message in one sentence or less that the parent is conveying to the child when they do something such as that? Oh, I can answer you that because I've gotten that for years. I'm not a priority. Right. I'm not. The, uh, he trained and this, uh, I don't know if this is too specific and people who listen will know who he is. (laughs) Um, he trains horses and from growing up, from I started going with him to train at six and I'd be stuck. He didn't let me bring books, toys. My mom would pack lunches. He'd forget the lunches and I would be hungry. We'd be there for, you know, more than 10 hours on average, be there all day. And then it got to a point where I was old enough to handle a camera or, you know, carry a satellite, be his little assistant. But, um, my mom later, she's like, I just wish that he would have put you on a safe horse and let you ride while he was training. I was like, yeah, that, that would have been great. I'm not a priority. His throughout this whole, my whole life, he's the number one and not his children. But that doesn't make sense. You said, mm-hmm. I'm not a priority. And then you told this story, no books, no, you know, iPad, no, you know, not that they existed back when you were six, but uh, well, 22 <laughs> years ago, no, they wouldn't have existed yet. No. Um, but even a, a Walkman and no food and so forth. Um, just out of curiosity, two questions. One, just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. did your mother know that this was happening when it was happening? Yes. But she couldn't do anything about it because what he said goes. He's the head of the household and they would fight, but he would just kind of verbally beat her into submission. Okay. Verbally beat her into submission. Sounds like a lovely guy. Um, And then you (laughs) said, but you said this under the rubric of um, I'm not a priority uh, to him, (laughs) you know, but I'm not a priority to a parent. A parent indicating that is a parent who would be, um, you know, just take your book over there and, uh, you know, just go play little girl. All right. Just go occupy yourself. I don't have time for this, mm-hmm. but you no, described, we had to watch him. 
Right. You describe something different. No toys, no books, and no food. Now, how do you fit him not giving you mom's sack lunch? How do you fit that under I'm not a priority? See, I don't think that fits under I'm not a priority. To me, that's a different category. That's a different category. Not giving a child food? That does when when the food is there, you can walk out to the truck and get it or whatever. That's not you're not a priority. That's fuck you. That's abuse. That's literally abuse. Depriving a child of food is literal neglect slash abuse. That's not gee, I just yeah. forgot about you and I'm so self-centered. That was deliberate. What fucking parent doesn't want to feed their child? What's going mm-hmm. on inside of a parent when they deliberately, it's not that. He forgot to pack a lunch. And gee, I forgot 10 bucks for you to go to the concession stand and get yourself a hot dog. I'm so sorry. Next time I'll pack you a lunch, sweetheart. That's forgetting. That's, gee, I didn't make you a priority today. But no, when there is a sack lunch and it's sitting in the motherfucking truck or he threw it out, that's not, you're not not a priority. It's like, fuck you, you little shit. I'm gonna fucking hurt you. And then he would take us to get... or take me to get ice cream at the end. And from what you said, the little idea popped in my head so he could tell my mom that, yeah, we went to go get ice cream afterwards. See how happy she is? She's hopped up on sugar. So he could hold that. Oh, oh. More to come, right? But right now, let's take a quick break. I'll be right back. So I was telling a buddy of mine how he seems happier. He told me about the book that changed his life. So I bit. I went to the Badass Counseling website and downloaded There's a Hole in My Love Cup audiobook. I started listening to it on my commute home from work, and holy cow, it was a Louisville slugger to the face. I literally sat in my car in the driveway night after night, listening through to the end of a chapter or doing the journaling exercises. My wife started to see changes. I started to change a lot. My default response stopped always being anger. Now, I manage a team of salespeople, and I changed as a leader. I was listening more, not always just reacting. When their numbers started going up seemingly out of nowhere, I knew what the reason was. There's a hole in my love cup is now required listening for any person on my sales team or working for me, and I gladly buy it for them. You gotta listen to this book. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. We are back with Maddie, and we're looking at uh, religious abuse, but we're also going deeper, and we're looking at neglect slash abuse, father withheld food and so forth. Dad had all the power. Mom didn't get you out of there. Uh, Too scared to whatever. Um, But if you were six years old when this was happening, that was 22 years ago, so we're talking about 2001. So Maddie, uh, what do you feel, what are you thinking after the revelation that happened right before the break, that this wasn't just you're not a priority, that he was literally deliberately withholding food from his own child for 10 hours and then buying an ice cream to make himself look good to his wife? What are you feeling right now? Be honest. That's Come a on. very good question. <laughs> Come on. Be honest. Like I should have known by this point that it was worse than what I thought it was. And why should you have known that? Because you're 28 and you should just know better? No, not because I'm 28, but because I should have known it was worse than what it was because it was bad. And why do you think a, a, a child or a teen or even a young adult maybe doesn't want to see all that, doesn't want to think about it, doesn't want to recognize how bad it was why might a person because go ahead their parents are their whole world and they don't want their mom and dad to be these horrible people right right parents are their whole world and especially in your case where it was set up that way that dad mm-hmm. ultimately was the was god <laughs> in a manner of speaking at least here on yeah. earth right uh parents are the whole world and so in a way then what you're really confronting is what happens to my world if at least half of that parent group 
uh, is no longer in my life? What happens in my world? Well, you've already seen part of what happens. You eat shit from a lot of extended family members, right? Mm -hmm. They condemn you. So what you're fundamentally facing is the reconstruction of your world without him. Mm -hmm. You said, I don't want him in the relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is heavy stuff. And so the question, back to the question. So what are you feeling? Give me a feeling word. Mad, sad, bad, glad, frustrated, exuberant, excited, lethargic, melancholic. Give me a feeling word. What are you feeling as you're sort of soaking all this in? Dumbfounded. <laughs> mm. uh, What's the most dumbfounding part? What's the most dumbfounding part? From your conclusion that it was intentional. It was a fuck you. The lunch... The, the sack lunch was there. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to bet this happened more than once. Is that accurate to say? Very, yeah. Very, even. Okay. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So, I have, he would take celery and raisins for him, and I'd have to eat it because there was nothing else. I hate raisins very, very much now because it was that bad of a, and sorry, that's probably too much information or unnecessary, but. It's not unnecessary. It's not unnecessary, okay. so you would have to eat that. Presumably, mom had packed more for you than just the celery and raisins he got, right? Yeah. Yeah, she was a very, for it, and I'm sure you're aware of this, you're, you're a different parent with different kids because you're at a sure. different time in your life. Sure, sure. And for me, she was a very good stay-at-home mom. Like, she's my best friend now with my sister, it was, she was there, but my sister was a very rebellious child. Sure, sure. She was daddy's little princess, did not like what mom told her to do. And then my brother, that was when the, the fighting and things got really bad when he was around. So she was a little bit more withdrawn. So it's, it's different, but, but I'm very thankful for my mom. Sure. I'm sure you are. And I'm, I'm sure then part of the difficulty in facing these issues is, uh, then looking at, did she have culpability? Can you elaborate on that? I mean, you know, if, if a child is not being fed, uh, if a child is deliberately not being fed, and you you said he wouldn't let you have your sack lunch, you didn't say that happened once. You said very. In other words, it happened a lot. So now we're talking about a patternized behavior of malice. Taking food away from a child, you said it happened very often. It was a repeated behavior. This was a pattern. It was a pattern of him to deliberately withhold food from his child. Mm -hmm. That sort of qualifies as abuse. Mm -hmm. Right. And then did she know? Yeah, she noticed it. So she and knew. It. Right, right. Um, so setting that aside, and, and you have much more at stake, if you were to begin to look at the things, and I'm not saying your mom or your dad are an evil person, that's not what I'm saying per se. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is being abused or mistreated doesn't exist within a vacuum. And it sounds like your mom knew some of this, but there's a very high price for you to even begin to look at this, even if you never act on it, to even begin to look at your mother's role in all of this means that mom may not be on the pedestal. You don't ever have to say one word to her in real life. But if you look at the truth of the past, she may not be as innocent as you think. But here's the thing. I want to go back to my other point. You said she was a great homemaker and a wonderful, you know, stay-at-home mm -hmm. mom for you. That means she likely packed a very thorough lunch. A very mm -hmm. plenty of food for you to have at the road and your dad deliberately withheld it from you. Mm -hmm. Time and time again. So this is willful. This is malicious. It didn't happen one time. Mm -hmm. He repeatedly, presumably for years, withheld food from you when he had a chance. Mm -hmm. What do you think of a person who does that to a child? If you knew that Susie over there was doing that to her son, and you knew Susie and you knew her son, what would you think of Susie? She's got some things to work on. <laughs> and what would you feel for her son, little Billy? that you see her withholding food and not letting him play when she's busy doing something else and you can see the look on Billy's face, what would you feel for Billy? I would go and be there for the kid or try to give him food or comfort Why? him. Why? Why? What would you see happening inside of him? What would, what would you feel? 
Why would you go take those actions unless you felt something that caused you to take those actions? And so what would you feel that would cause you to go take care of him and comfort him and so forth? And the mere fact that you say comfort says that he's in a state of discomfort, in a state of potentially anguish or something. What are you feeling as you see Susie treating Billy this way repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly? And let me ask you right now, what are you feeling right now? It's a little, a little much. <laughs> um, what are you feeling? Sad? Yeah, but kind of. Uh, what? It's between sad and sympathetic. Okay. And what are you most sad about right this very second? Did you tear up here? I'm trying really hard not to. <laughs> okay. So that says you are, and there's nothing wrong with tearing up. I, I cry all yeah. the time. Nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's good. Mm -hmm. uh, but let me yeah. ask you, what are you feeling that's causing, or what thought or feeling is causing you to tear up? The impact that it, the lack of control that my mom had, she couldn't take care of her babies the way she wanted to. Um, and the fact that the little kid that you're saying is over there with Susie and just she, that child can turn into me or worse, probably worse because I have this, you know, very annoyingly blind faith that it'll be, that it could be worse. Um, but it's probably just sympathy. For little Billy. Yes. And my, my younger self. And, and your yeah. younger self. That's right. And isn't it fascinating that I tell this little story about little Billy and the feelings that you identify, you can identify with little Billy, and obviously that was the purpose of the story, but you can identify with him, but your feelings are still so raw and so fresh from back when you were six that you are fighting back the tears. That's how much how painful those experiences were, that now, 22 years later, at the age of 28, I mean, you said it happened at six, and presumably oh, your dad trained horse for years. So this happened for years before that and after that. And the pain is still so fresh that you're having to fight back the tears now when I simply tell a little story about Billy and Susie. That's how much pain you have in there mm -hmm. from that past, right? Right, and, that, and so that's what you're wrestling with on top of the shit you're eating from family members when you try to pull away from the person who caused all this pain. So let me ask mm -hmm. you then, what is your biggest fear in pulling back further from your father and not mending the relationship with your father? Put it in one sentence or less. What's the biggest fear? That I will turn into him and my children will be the same or worse. How would you turn into him? Help me understand. He's a mental and physical clone replica of his dad, which he was, I don't know if my grandpa was worse, but. He sounds like him, says the same things, does the same things. It's kind of scary. Do you and say do you say and do the same things as your dad? Tell me one thing that you say or do that is a clone replica of your dad. I look like him. <laughs> okay, fair um, enough. There have been a couple like key phrases that I've said. I was like, oh my gosh, he says that. No, no. But there are a couple, and here's the weird thing. He's very charismatic, and a couple, th a few things that he says rings true. Okay. So, like, when it comes to disciplining children, if I, you know, a very unruly kid that's freaking out in the grocery aisle because he doesn't give his bar candy, it's just like someone's about to get smacked. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. So, there are the, some of those things, but... um I don't want to, I don't want my kids to go through any of what I went through. What is your biggest fear if you were to not mend the relationship with your father? That the family that I had, that I was taught that is always there for us and is the thing that matters most. Yeah. They hate me because what I'm standing up for is right, not what their ideal family exactly. picture looks like. Exactly. And that's going to happen. That is going to happen. They've already indicated that. And they've exerted their power to try to push you back down. When mm -hmm. you've rebelled against him, you said that. 
that basically they condemned you and so forth. So they're trying to exercise their power to silence you, just like you were silent as a kid. Just look perfect, be silent, and sit there. And that's what they want you to do. Yes, this is the price of you honoring your own self is you are going to lose people and you are going to eat their shit because they're gonna try to pack you back down again. I guarantee Mm -hmm. it. All right, we we have a pattern here. It's pretty obvious they're going to do that. And so what you're really confronted with is how badly do I want it? But the question, you know, do I want to be me and just protect me and take care of me? Or do I want to uh, keep my family? Because they've sort of drawn that as the the cost and the price and so forth. The the pivotal question to me though is, um, if you were to not mend your relationship with your father, what would your mother say? I'm proud of you. (laughs) Right. So then you would not, in fact, lose all of your family, would you? No, she, my mother, when the divorce happened, she apologized for her behavior and for Andre's behavior. She said, there is no way that he is solely responsible. I did things wrong too. So I wanted to apologize to you. What precisely did she do wrong? What did she say she did wrong? She didn't do anything. She withdrew into herself and shut down. In the marriage? And she's saying she should have what? She should have stuck up for us kids. And that's exactly right. So she sees it. She knows that she was wrong 22 years ago when you were six years old and 20 years ago when you were eight and 18 years ago when you were 10. Yes, I have excellent counting skills. She acknowledges (laughs) that she was wrong. She knew it. She knew that she had culpability in you being treated this way. And she didn't, in, in, in that little explanation there, she didn't say, I, I couldn't. She said, I, it's not that I couldn't help you. I didn't help you. I withdrew into myself. She acknowledges, she acknowledges that she let it happen. You just said she withdrew into herself and she apologized for it later. I'm sure that apology felt good, but whoa, whoa, you fucking knew and you withdrew, presumably to protect yourself, and I had to keep eating shit. I, no, actually, I didn't even get to eat shit. I got to eat nothing because I got no fucking lunch <laughs> for 10 hours. Day in, and day I out. Feel bad to, I feel bad of to course, think that. Yes, you do feel because bad. Because she went through a whole bunch of shit herself. But you were a child. That's right. She went through it herself, and that is her cross to carry. But okay. you were a child, and I am sorry. If you had a child right now, Who has more power, you at 28 or that zero-year-old that just came out of your vagina? Or if you have a child and that child, let's say 10 years from now, you're 38 and that child is 10, who has more power, a 38-year-old or a 10-year-old? The 38-year-old. Exactly. And it doesn't matter how much shit you've been through with your parent. If you're now putting your shit, your own child through that shit, you better heal your fucking shit and not let your child eat your crap, right? And mm-hmm. so she, ha- yes, you do feel bad because you feel bad for her and you see how much she endured. You see this giant ogre that was your dad and she had to eat shit too. And she was probably eating shit from her own parents. That's what set up that relationship that thought, oh, this is a normal mm-hmm. relationship. So she had all of her own shit. I get it. And it's beautiful that you feel that sympathy for her. It really is. But if that is causing you to ignore your own pain or to feel guilty for just what you felt, unprotected. She wasn't protecting you. Nobody was. It was unsafe. Mm -hmm. And even now, nobody's fucking protecting you. You're eating shit from your whole fucking family, apart from your mom and maybe one or two other people. And so you're Mm -hmm. on your own. And that doesn't mean you ever have to hate your mom. That doesn't mean you ever have to say word one to your mom. It doesn't mean you have to change your relationship with your mom, but to heal yourself. You have to give yourself permission to feel what that child felt. That was your authentic self. Those were your authentic feelings. That was the real you. And by you denying those feelings, because you feel bad, you don't want to hurt mom's feelings, she'll never know. You can go to your therapy. You can do your your journaling. You can do all of this on your own. She'll never have to know that you're allowing up your feelings, that you felt really hurt. And mom, you disappointed me. You didn't protect me. Isn't that kind of job one as a parent, ma? She doesn't ever have to know any of it. But for you to heal... You have to get that shit out for sure. You have to give yourself permission by giving yourself permission to feel those feelings. What you're fundamentally saying is I matter. 
And you've been conditioned your whole fucking life to believe you don't fucking matter. You don't even deserve food. Go shut up, sit down, be silent, look perfect. Damn. What's the most damn part about all of that? I didn't think this was going in that direction today. <laughs> <laughs> where, where did you want it to go? What were you hoping for? Um, I mean, I wasn't hoping for any specific thing. I knew this was going to be groundbreaking. <laughs> and whenever I watch your videos on TikTok, I never expect what I'm getting, which is very good. Because I, my mom and I have done very extensive research on, you know, narcissistic abuse and verbal abuse and all this other stuff. And you've always brought something that's like, oh, that hurt right here. <laughs> so I, you know, it's gotcha. nothing bad. I wasn't, I didn't have no. any unrealistic. Yeah. I right. was just, I hear you. Kick I... my ass for sure. All right. I hear you. <laughs> um, so what has to happen is the way you'll know the path, Maddie, you'll know the path of whether to forgive, not forgive. You can forgive. There's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want. But you're clearly saying, you know, you're asking, why can't I forgive? Why can't I get past this? And what I hear you saying is because you don't want to. And or not without contrition. See, the thing is, you can forgive. But first of all, you need to be allowing up all your feelings. If this truly is for you, forgiveness is for me. If Even if you're only doing it for that reason, not for the other person and not to mend the relationship, if you're doing it just for you, then what you're saying is me is a concern. I, I want to do what's best for me. Okay, if you really want to do what's best for you, don't forgive until you've gotten all the shit out. You never have to say word one to your father. You don't. You, there's no action required. You can heal you without that person doing anything or without having to say or do anything to that person. But you're not doing anything for you if you're keeping all those feelings of rage, anger, pain, sadness, hatred, longing, love, all those feelings. If you're keeping them inside, they're inside still. And it's eating you up from within. But the more you get all of that out and get it out and get it out, then, then go ahead and forgive if, if that's what you want. Or at least accept that this is reality, whatever. But the real problem is all that crud inside of there, all those rocks that he put in that big burlap sack on your back with mm -hmm. all the pain, all the hurt, all the put downs, all the whatever. All those rocks got to come out. Otherwise, it doesn't matter what silly words you say. I forgive you. It doesn't mean shit. You're not doing anything for you by saying those words. There's, 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 there's not some magic Jesus love potion that comes from saying, I forgive you. And now that burlap sack is gone. No, it's not. No, it's not. And if you ever want to see a great scene on that, go back and watch the movie, The Mission with Robert De Niro. And he was this bad guy and then he became a monk and then he's carrying around all this shit on this long rope in a big sack behind him. And he climbs up the side of this mountain and the natives are looking at him like, that's just stupid. Why are you carrying all that crap? One of them just takes a machete and chops it and all his sin goes away. Uh, all his pain goes away. It's a great metaphor. But the point is this, mm -hmm. until you get all that pain out, and I think you're, you've been, whether deliberately or unintentionally, you've been running from all that pain, all of those fucking feelings from your past because it's just so much and it's so overwhelming. And now, as we're seeing today, it implicates your mom too, your beloved one, the person you don't really want to think about. Maybe you feel guilty for thinking about in those ways. Let me ask you uh, a strange question, totally out of left field, total Sven question, which means you're going to hear it and you're going to be like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Uh, that's how you know it's a Sven question. Uh, but I'm just curious, what is the one thing that you're most afraid to have your father know about you? I know the answer to this question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Well, it would, it would help, and there could be people who need help. <laughs> um, you don't have to do anything for anyone else. This is about you. Yeah. If you don't want to say it, don't say it. It's okay. I was uh, put in an extremely compromising position with an ex. Okay. Fair enough. In in very, very uh, crude terms, so to speak, my virtue is compromised, and I would be blamed and kind of shunned for that. Wow, you would be blamed for being the victim of basically a crime, is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. 
you would be blamed for being a victim. Mm-hmm. Blamed and shamed. Um, let me ask you this question. What do you think of the idea of blaming a victim for something heinous being done to them? Not their fault. Right. That's what you think of the victim. What I'm asking is, what do you think of the person who blames and shames the victim? Oh, they're an asshole. They don't listen to the whole story or choose not to. Oh, and fuck them is what I think. (laughs) Fuck you. You blame and shame a victim when something was done to them that was really painful and really bad and you blame the victim? Fuck you. That's what I think. I fucking hate somebody doing that. Fuck you that you have no fucking compassion? And what would cause a person to blame and shame a victim? Oh, that's right. I just want you to look perfect so that I look good. You've shamed me. Mm-hmm. Now, fuck that. That's not, that's not, there's no, sorry, there's no definition of fucking good religion mm-hmm. that that fits under. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this there's is, this, there, go ahead, please. There was an instance uh, he got injured and was confined to a couch and I was going to college and he would pick fights as I was walking out the door. And as a respectful child, I can't just walk out the door. That's disrespectful. And so I'd be very late to class and it sounds bad because it puts the blame off of me a little bit, but I partially blame him for me not doing well in class. <laughs> partially? Um, you think? Go ahead. Finish your thought. <laughs> And I, my, I was having a meltdown because I just couldn't take it anymore. And I called my mom at work and she told me that I don't know how you're still a Christian. And I was like, I don't either. I don't. And I was seriously questioning it because if he's treating me this way and our heavenly father is supposed to be, he's supposed to be like our heavenly father, then why why do I want to be a part of it? And I know it's not true because I'm doing my own journey myself, but he didn't teach us any. I don't know what, I don't really know how to study the Bible well or read the Bible well or interpret it because he didn't teach us any of that. He just told us that children obey your parents for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Now, I didn't know this until I was 26 that it says after that, it holds the parents accountable as well, right after that verse. Right. And I was like, what? Motherfucker. Right? Yeah. And I guarantee you, he was counting on the fact that we wouldn't read our Bibles, so we wouldn't know that and right. ask a question, not call him out, right. just ask the question on it. Right. You know, it, it's funny. You know, my dad was a pastor for 60 whatever years, and, you know, mm-hmm. he had a few sayings, and one of them was, you can get the Bible to say anything you want. If you twist it enough, you can get the Bible mm-hmm. to say anything you want. And the other thing is, is that for as for a Christian, and I guess it could be any religion that has a book, you know, this is our one true book of the one true religion. It's like, I'm not going to let you read it. That way I can control what you think it says. But mm-hmm. once we start to get educated or to read it ourselves or study and so forth, it's like, Oh, it says a few yeah. other things. Okay, right. And and so the truth is you're struggling with a lot of pain inside. You've got a lot of confusion over the religious aspect of it, but you've just got so much fucking pain inside of you regarding your father to the point where multiple times say you were in tears. And that's great. It's great that those tears are there. Those are pointing the way to where you can be doing your growth work, where you can be doing your healing work, your journaling, your counseling. Um, and in terms of the question of, gee, what about religion and finding a church? If you want to do it, do it. If not, wait. There's no rush. Imagine mm-hmm. what you will find or what you'll look for if you were to actually do the work of healing yourself. You'll come out of it differently, which means the, the religion, if you choose, will look very different from what you, you're, you've been taught you should do or what you would choose now. But I don't know how or what to do it because we were told to do what you know, my dad says, mm-hmm. then he has to do it. And I, you know, would try to be independent and do things on my own, but he wouldn't let me. So I don't know how to do the healing journey. I don't know okay. how to. Okay. As far as the I heal- don't know what to look for. Fair enough. As far as the healing journey is concerned, uh, the thing I, I want you to do is I want you to uh, get a copy of my book. And if you can't afford it, I'll send you a copy myself. Okay. 
but okay. I want you to do that if you don't have one already, because that is the healing journey. It's 80% of my counseling method in one book, mm-hmm. and it holds your hand through the process of the healing of all that crud that's inside of you, okay? And you mm-hmm. can still forgive at some point if you want to. You can fucking forgive today. It's your life. Do whatever the hell you want. But until that stuff gets out of you, uh, you're not you're not going to be able to heal and fully move on in terms of what to do about your uh, relationship with God and so forth. What I would encourage, and and also in that healing journey, is just plain old journaling. Start journaling out how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. How am I feeling about the bullshit coming out of Sven's mouth today in this podcast recording? What pissed me off the most, or what was I feeling? Well, why was I feeling that? Or what was the most dumbfounding part? Just everything, flushing out all your thoughts, all your feelings. It's not about recording anything, grasping anything. It's about getting out everything um, okay. and and working with a book there. And then also uh, with regard to, you know, religion and, and what do I believe and what do I want to do? Um, I would encourage you to two things. One, uh, be okay with not knowing right now because you're in a transition state. You are addressing shit that's been there for 28 years and you're in a transition. Mm-hmm. There's no rush. But what you can also do is say a prayer and say, Lord, lead me to the direction that is my next resource. If if my father is not a credible source, which you've clearly said today, a credible source for what you want to model your faith after or model your relationship with God after, then just say a prayer and ask God to lead you to uh, some new piece of insight, not necessarily your next leader per se. You're not ready mm-hmm. for that because you're in a transition yourself and maybe you'll become your own next leader or you'll what you'll choose to follow next will come after the transition. But for now, you know, open my eyes, help me to learn. What should I read next? What should I look at next? Um, and in fact, I'd encourage you to pick up a copy of my other book, Badass Jesus. No, I didn't know you had that one. Yeah, I've got about six or seven books. And all of my previous books were all, because I'm a former pastor, um, mm-hmm. all of them are sort of faith related and so forth. But start with Badass Jesus, because it's sort of a fusion of badass counseling, not so much the method, but ideas and the ethos fused with sort of, you know, a different way of looking at Christianity and um, and religion in general, not just Christianity. But um, so those are on the website, badasscounseling.com. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, Maddie, any final questions for me? I had a little epiphany while you were talking about the religion part, like the part you just spoke. Um, something that I I would keep constant contact with my mom while my extended family was talking to me or she would be in the same room. She's, uh, she lives out of state at the moment, but, um, I, she knows I, I get, I sound angry and I'm not angry at her. And she knows that. And I said, didn't Jesus flip tables (laughs) and whip people because they were doing the wrong thing. And she's like, yeah, they did. And these I'm trying like I'm not even flipping tables here. I'm just saying, hey, what he's what my dad's doing is wrong. And y'all just want to flick it off and just, you know, lick your lollipop and act like it wasn't stuck in the couch. So what's the epiphany? When you said badass Jesus, I was like, hey, I thought of that. And I didn't think badass Jesus, but I was like, the guy wasn't this quiet person the man cast out demons if you believe that or not that's fine Mm -hmm. he flipped tables he Mm -hmm. made a whip Mm -hmm. to hit people with who were doing the wrong things and it's just like (sighs) he was in at the time he was viewed as an extremist and in this case it's not extreme but for my family what i'm doing is extreme well yeah and they're they're perceiving it as anger anything that is you being bad and not being silent and looking perfect and sitting there they're going to find Mm -hmm. a way to condemn but you brought up this notion of anger and gee wouldn't it and you almost hear you were saying that to mom didn't jesus flip tables which is implying mom is telling you don't get worked up don't be angry don't this you know be calm so that tells me in your home anger was not allowed unless of course it was from dad Mm -hmm. dad's anger was always allowed. Right. And wouldn't it have been nice back when you were six or nine or 13, if mom had found some fucking anger and done what she now apologizes for, and that is sticking up for her fucking kids. Wouldn't it have been nice if she had found her anger? Okay. Yeah, it would have been nice because then you could have gotten a sack lunch on a 10 hour day of watching your dad's fat ass on his fucking horse. All right. But anyway, back to this notion 
back to this notion of you had this epiphany and Jesus in anger and so forth, you have to understand that feeling anger and flipping tables are two different things. Okay. The child mm -hmm. had those feelings. There are times when I feel really angry or there are times when I feel really sad. And if I'm feeling really angry, I don't go punch someone in the face. I'm just feeling a feeling. But mm -hmm. you're basically, we're largely taught, don't feel the feeling at all. There's a difference between having a feeling and acting on the feeling, doing something bad. What I'm saying is okay. all those feelings are in there. Your anger from your childhood or today when someone cuts you off in traffic, your anger is fine. It's harmless. It, the only way it does harm is if you pack it down because you've been taught anger bad, anger bad, shove anger down. And I'm saying, oh, I'm saying no, anger good, anger good. Just let it out. You don't have to go punch someone in the face or ram their car. But all those feelings, and I guarantee you, you have a ton of anger inside of you towards your father. I guarantee it. And no doubt some towards your mother as well. You don't ever have to say word one to any of them. You don't have to, you don't have to go kick a goat because you're so mad. You don't have to do anything but let the feelings out because that's what's corrupting you from the inside. That's what's packed. All that crud is packed on mm -hmm. top of God's voice speaking to you from within. It's rising up, but there's so much crud of so much other bullshit packed on top of it. Mm -hmm. You see, now, it, just as a primer, let me remind you that when in the, in the moment of Jesus' crucifixion, he breathes his last breath uh, and said, you know, Father, to you, I, you know, command my spirit. And what happens then? The sky goes dark and the, uh, the curtain in the temple is rent in two. And the curtain mm -hmm. separated the Holy of Holies from the, you know, the common folk. So now the, the metaphor is that the common folk have access to God. It was all about a personal relationship with God. That means technically mm -hmm. you don't need anyone to lead you in your relationship with God. You can have a personal, that you can go directly to God. God can... You can interact with God, can speak to you. And God speaks from within. For the non-religious folk, we call it, you know, the voice of the universe or my own soul, my own spirit rising up from within. But you got so many other fucking bullshit messages and pain packed on top of it. You can't even hear your own fucking voice. You can't even hear God's voice from within. You've been dependent upon an external voice to tell you what God is saying. But there's no possible way in heaven or hell that any external voice can know what God is saying to you. Because God has had a different message for Peter that he had for Paul, that he had for Moses from what he had for Esau a different message, okay. and only you can know God's message for you, but you have to get out all the other bullshit voices telling you what God is really saying because they don't know. So you got some work to do, young lady. You've got know. some work to do. <laughs> uh, you, This yeah. has been a great show. You've been a great guest and you've been open and the new insights, and I can see your head, you know, sort of pistons firing in your head and, and popping and so forth. And uh, I just want to say, uh, on behalf of Casey, because she's written a little sign, she's put it up on the edge of the booth, and she says she loves you because Casey loves goats and sheep and oh my goodness. baby Yay. goats and ducks <laughs> and so forth. And so she's saying she loves you because you are tending the animals and <laughs> big animal lovers. And I know Rob is a big animal lover. Yeah. His wife is a big animal lover. Rob, thoughts on the <laughs> animal lover here that we're yeah. talking to? We have two goats, Peter and Gordon, and we love those goats. So that oh, was very touching. Very touching story for His me. His goats are very cute. They are, indeed. Yeah, those are great names for them, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. But I want, I want to be able to, my, my dream on top of being a stay-at-home mother is I want to raise meat goats. I want to be able to feed my family. I want to be able to feed the ones closest to me. And I, you know, cows are just too big. Mm -hmm. It's Big, big poop. I don't want to clean that up. Uh -huh. Goats are good and they have personalities. And I, that's what I, I'm not there yet, but you know, cause I'm, I'm living in a little town and I don't have, I'm not anywhere near where I want to be. And that's, that's been a problem too. I think that's kind of the, the catalyst because I get frustrated with where I'm at. And then I'm like, well, the, all the other sh stuff with six, eight and 13 come up and, Trust me when I tell you, when as you heal more and more of that shit, your life decisions and going after your own dreams will become so much easier. You'll become so much clearer. 
you'll become so much mm-hmm. stronger because it's all this shit that's weighing you down from the past that you think you're still obligated to, obligated to a father who has hurt you repeatedly and just wants to keep you locked down and a family that wants to keep you locked down and all of that is keeping one foot in the past, one foot in the future, or maybe two feet in the past. I guarantee you the more you do this work, the more you will feel liberated to become your most authentic self and go after that which you feel called to do with your life. And the truth is, if you've got a calling inside of yourself to be a stay-at-home mom and to raise your own goats and, and, and that sort of thing, if that's your calling and you're not doing it, then you're going against God's will. So, yeah, right? Yeah. So maybe uh-huh. maybe you should do the fucking work of, of getting out of you all the crud that's impeding you from doing God's will. Maybe mm-hmm. you should do this now, dive into all this work day in and day out to get rid of all this crud so that you can finally, with a full heart and with a robust spirit and a stiff spine, say, yes, I'm ready. I'm going to attack. I'm going after this dream, Lord, and let's get after it. We got mm-hmm. some, there's uh, there's work to do, right? Yep. All right. Okay. You've been a great guest, Maddie. Thank you so much for being on the show. You've been great. Um, and Thank you for having me. Pleasure was completely ours. And we want you to just stick around one minute, if you would. Mm-hmm. To all of you tuning in around the world uh, on U.S. and uh, military bases, thank you so much for your uh, patronage and listening in and for your comments and so forth. To all of our listeners around the world, thank you for listening in. On behalf of Rob the Rocket and KC in the booth, have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of The Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer, Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day.